0: Real quick, I especially want to just give honor to them. Uh, in fact, I just told the church yesterday, Dad, the, the pastor came in. He was like, man, that was so chock full of wisdom. And I said, everything I got is what I saw in my dad's life. I just took notes on his life. So this is, this is a pastor that was the, was the pastor here for 26 years. And he still helps us with counseling and marriage things and all kinds of things. And so if you've ever heard, hey, and he he has this great radio voice, okay? So how many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, see, everybody just nodded. Like, if you get a call and you feel like it's a guy from a podcast, hello, this is Mark Beale. (laughs) Yes, that's him. Okay, that's the face. I don't know how he does it. I still can't do it. Uh, But, yeah. Anyway, that's him. And he and my mom love you guys and are here to help care for you. So, Number one, I want you to hear this. we got th- three main points. Imagine that. I'm a good preacher. Here we go. Number one, we have been given authority. We have been given all authority, Jesus says. So our authority comes from the backing of the one who has the authority. It's no different than my friend. Actually, we have two friends in here who are, who are policemen, maybe even more. When they show up with that badge, they're backing the authority of the one who sent them, of the one who commissioned them. Right? And the Bible tells us that our authority comes from Jesus himself. Open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. And I hope you guys are taking notes fast because I'm preaching a 40-minute sermon in 20 minutes. So here we go. Luke 10. Luke 10, 19. I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them, and nothing will injure you. Right? Now, we know some people put that verse to the text to the test, but we won't talk about that. We have been given all authority. Everybody say this with me, all authority. All authority. authority. One more time, all all authority. This authority was given to us for three reasons, right? To advance the kingdom and the purposes of God. In fact, one of our core values here is that we're advancing the kingdom of God. We do that through church planting. Primarily, but many ways. But we advance. We don't believe that Jesus' church is on defense, going, oh, I don't know what to do. No, no, no. The church of Jesus advances. That's a good spot for an amen. The church of Jesus advances. Amen? Amen? So a lot of times people don't know God's power to heal. A lot of times people don't know God's power to bring reconciliation to a broken relationship. This is why you are there. This is why you are in that break room. When your coworker says, hey, I just, man, I just, I I see see you're down. What's going on? I can't get along with my mom, and she's just at this new season in life, and now with the, I can't get along with my dad, and now, and so now just, instead of just saying, oh, that's terrible, why don't you let God step into that moment, right, and say, hey, do you know what? I serve a God who who mends relationships all the time. Can I pray with you about that? Guys, I have heard testimony after testimony of now that person comes back and says I can't believe That prayer worked. By the way, that's how they say it. A lot of times when someone's not believing, they're like, it worked, right? Like I literally just had someone tell me this last week. It worked. I had a guy at AT AT&T. He was healed of his back pain. He was absolutely bent over, uh, much more pain than I have right now. He literally couldn't move. And he shouted, it worked, like 20 times because he couldn't believe it. But God's power still works. Right? Now, I can't explain to you why... Everyone is not healed every moment that you pray, but it doesn't stop me from praying. I'm going to focus on the one who heals. Here or there, he is good. Here or there, when we are healed, he is good. So heal the sick. We're called to be healed and to deliver that healing. Luke chapter 10 says that they marveled that even the evil spirits listened to them. Mark 16 says it like this. The signs will follow them that believe. So how many of you believe? Right? About 80% of you, about 85. Right? If you're in that 15%, I'm going to give you an opportunity here in a few minutes. How many believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead? So I was thinking about this. You know, when I believe I have access to something, come on, right? Like if I knew, if somebody said, hey, if Josh, our missionary Josh, let's say Josh said, hey, I want you to know uh, man, God just really blessed me, and I had this really wealthy uncle, and he gave—this is off the cuff, so bear with me. I had this really wealthy uncle, and he he, he gave me this ginormous inheritance, and I didn't know he was I'm getting attacked. I didn't know he was an inventor, and anyway, there's hundred thousand dollars in a bank account, and this is the account. And I'm like, Josh, we go way back. I can trust you. If I believe that money is there for me, like you said, what would I do? I, I would go. I, I'd say, what's the account number? What's my PIN? I'd walk into the building, wouldn't I? Right? If I believed it. Actions always follow belief. Always. And so I, be- I really believe Jesus can heal people, so I pray for people to be healed. Come on, right? I really believe that Jesus can forgive sins. And so when I see someone who's being honest about their, their brokenness or what's going on in their life or regret, I can say, hey... I've been in that same spot where I have regret for my bad decisions. Can I tell you something? Jesus can forgive you and make you a completely new person. You see that? You step into that moment, and you offer what Jesus says you have. You can win against the sin and addiction in your own life, against selfishness. Listen, I was reading um, Bono's memoir, and how many guys have heard of the band U2? Right? Great, great band. Um I stole all my guitarists from the Edge. I just don't wear the beanie, but anyway. Um, You know, he said this when he started out his band, and if you don't know, he is the most philanthropic musician of all time. Like, if you don't realize that, to put it in perspective, he's given double the amount of food and AIDS funding than the entire Assemblies of God in the world. Okay, so that, that gives you a perspective now. When I read that, I was like, are you serious? So... Because he's, he's so empathetic and compassionate, people just rally behind him and he meets with these world leaders. Well, here's what happened at a recent world leader meeting. In his 20s, he said this in his journal. He said, I can change the world. I can change. No, he said this, I'm sorry. He said, I can't change the world, but I can change the world inside of me. So he was talking about his own ability to, make a good attitude, to have a good attitude. In his 50s, he said, now I see this fulcrum in my life. He said, I can change the world. He said, I've given millions of aid and relief to those suffering and dying and holding their babies, in, but I can't change the world in me. I'm still really selfish sometimes. Now, y'all, if he can admit, if he can admit his need for a savior, come on. He, what he's finding in, he said, in his late 50s, is that he still has a propensity to be do the selfish thing and do the wrong thing. That's called sin, and Jesus forgives us of that. When God so loved the world, he sent his son, right, to die in our place so that all who would believe on him would be forgiven. Amen? Amen. This sin is in all of us, and Jesus has the power over it. So what is what about the power of our declaration? You say, okay, Pastor Jordan, I believe that. Well, What if you started to talk about it? What if you started to declare, you know, like Pastor Dave taught in in an excellent message. If you missed that message, you need to go on YouTube and watch that message about our identity and our skin and the power of looking in the mirror and not seeing some sort of mistake, not seeing some sort of, no. God made you a masterpiece, okay? Look at the person next to you. If it's your spouse, this won't be awkward. If it's a random guy named Frank, apologize. Look him in the eyes and say, you're a masterpiece, some are like, I've never met you before. This is getting awkward. You don't have to stare at them. You don't have to keep staring. You can go full Jesse. So, my sister Jesse's not here. So, I'm going to make fun of her. So, make sure y'all don't send her the podcast. Just go full Jesse on them. Do you, know, do you know what that means? It's, it's a close talker. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you right now. You know what I'm talking about? And Jesse has an idea. It's like, hey, I've got an idea. I'm like, you had garlic this morning. I appreciate your passion. Nobody sent her this podcast. Everybody promised me you're not going to send her this. I agree, Pastor Jordan. All right, the power of declaration. The power of declaration. A declarative statement. It's used to, to provide information to declare the actual truth about something. And there's this powerful verse that we're given in Romans that talk, that talks about us being hidden in Christ, that we are also adopted. Okay, that you are literally given a new name. Now, I know I've preached on adoption uh, quite a few times, but I just want to reference it again because, listen, if we're talking about identity, this is the core of who you are. The core. This is why, how many of y'all were here about six months ago when I put up that infographic when we said, we go into new seasons with new assignments, new jobs, but that is not our identity. Our identity is a child of God. And when we grasp that, everything changes. We start to understand the life that God wanted us to understand and live out and understanding that your father, that you have access to this father. Hebrews says it this way, you've been given a new and living way. Everybody say this with me, new and living way. You've been given a new and living way. God, your father, man, I just want to drive this point home. I really feel like he someone wants us to just linger here for a minute. Listen, God, your father, has everything you need. The church leadership team I was talking to yesterday, I felt prompted to, to say this. Your father isn't broke. Somebody turn to your neighbor. And say, well, you didn't, you, you didn't grow up in my house. No, I'm talking about your heavenly father, if you missed the metaphor. Okay, so turn to your neighbor, say your heavenly father isn't broke. Some of y'all are just still too religious. You're like, no, I just, you know, I'm supposed to suffer all the days of my life. Because suffering makes me holy. Yes, suffering does push a lot of garbage out. But I also want to tell you what Jesus said. He said, if you ask for such and such thing, the Father's joy and pleasure is to give it to you. You ask for bread. He's not going to give you a snake. And a lot of times, God wants to be our Father that blesses us, that takes care of us. It's no different than Lucas this weekend going, can I have a pumpkin? And I said, it is my joy and pleasure to give you a pumpkin. He ran off and tripped and it hit, it hit him in the face. But it was a great moment before he, he got hurt. It was a great moment where me and him had bro time. All right your father. Many of us have forgotten what Jesus died for, access to the father. Come on, say this with me. Access to the father. The father has all that you need. Freedom belongs to you. Healing belongs to you. You're a child of God. And so, the enemy, Satan, we said this three weeks ago, but I want to reiterate it. He's going to deceive you and, and try to tell you that you're not. He's going to try to tell you that you really don't belong in the church and that, hey, you, you know, you really shouldn't even raise your arms this morning because of your bad attitude you had last week or whatever, right? Hey, you shouldn't even be in here because what you did in 1995. That in those moments, that's condemnation. You say, no, I'm a child of God even if you say it out loud. That's why we put these uh, declarative statements on the back tables, right? And you can grab one on your way out if there's still any left, the atmosphere of prayer, declaring who you are. So Christians often are playing defense, but you need to start playing offense. Start playing offense. I shared this story about three years ago, and I feel prompted to share it again, that I was in the break room in Chicago, and I was there working... um, driving a, a, a tow motor, is that what you call them? Yeah, a tow motor. And just, you know, moving carpet and flooring around and stuff like that for a year. And this one guy, I mean, just the, the buffest guy I've ever seen. All the, kid, all the kids stand up. All the kids stand up. I need you to interact with me real quick. I need you to give me your best buff man stance. All right? Chaz, you nailed it. Chaz, I think, was born buff. <laughs> I feel inspired to go work out just looking at you, Chaz. Also, I've never done anything to make you angry, and you're my friend. He literally walked like this because he was so buff. I'm not kidding. I mean, it was something right out of a movie. And he's like, hey, priest. He always called me priest. I'm like, I'm not Catholic. It didn't matter how many times I told him. Uh, He knew I was going to ministry school, and he's like, hey, priest. Well, I would offer to pray for him, not every day, right, but every now and then. Hey, if you ever need prayers, let me know. Well, one day he comes in, and every, you all have a break room, and, he, and everybody leaves. And he waits, and I didn't notice he was the last person out, but at the last minute he goes, hey, can I talk to you? And he comes over and he prays with me, and, or he, he says, hey, I actually need you to pray with me. And this big guy, I mean, he could probably bench 300 pounds, guys. He starts crying. He says, my marriage is a wreck, and I can just tell that you're real. Can you pray for me? And God healed his marriage, guys. God healed his marriage. Now, can I tell you what I was tempted to do? This story is, it works so well. I want you to hear this. I was tempted to just eat on my own. And Pastor Josh, we can all find verses for that, can't we? What fellowship does light have with darkness? See, a lot of times we use scripture to find logic to, to disobey and to not be comfortable. To, to be comfortable, to 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 not shine in, in the darkness. But in that moment, there was multiple times I didn't want to be in there. I didn't want to hear the stories that were telling, but God kept telling me, You're here for a reason. You're here for these guys. This is your church right now. Amen? Amen. In those moments, you are called to be a light. Turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. We've been given all authority. Right? Jump to verse five. Matthew ten, verse five. He sent these. 12 out. Jesus sent them out, instructing them. Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse lepers. Cast out demons you've received without paying. Give without pay. Now hold on a minute. Now hold on a minute. If he gave an instruction, go heal the sick. Would God play a trick on you? Would God say, "Go heal the sick" if He didn't think you were going to heal the sick? But this, this, this is a struggle for us, isn't it? How many of you guys have ever been a little bit nervous about praying for somebody who is sick? Absolutely. What do we all? What What is the thought that crosses all of our mind? What if it doesn't work? Come on, I appreciate that honest laugh. I won't point you out. Row five. Her name is beginning with Amy. But listen. We all have that nervousness, right? Like, God, I know you want me to pray for this person, but I, what if it doesn't work? Have there been times that I've prayed for someone where they weren't healed? Absolutely. Has there been times I've prayed for someone and they were healed? Absolutely. So I'm always going to pray. And in that moment, guys, sometimes even when they're not healed instantly, there's a moment where they, they see compassion and they see something where it starts a conversation about God. Amen. So what can I do with this authority that God gave us? Right? Actually, let's back up. I want to I press into one more thing, verse 9. He says, heal the sick. Cleanse lepers, right? Acquire no gold or silver or copper to your belts, no bag for your journey, no tunics, no, no sandals or staff. Right? The laborer deserves food. wherever town you go to, find out who's worthy. Stay there. If they, don't, if they don't accept you, they're rejecting me, they're not rejecting you, right? Shake the dust off your feet. And if you were here last week, a lot of times we are holding so tightly to the things of this world that we can't take a hold of this authority that God's given us because we're so worried about the tangible things. Was anybody else convicted last week or was it just me? Yeah, we have to say, God, what actually matters? Amen? Amen? What can I do with this authority? Declare your authority that Jesus gave you over your marriage, your family, your home, your finances, right? Your health, your kids. I've had so many times when parents are worried about their kids, and I say, hey, let's just pray right now. I have books you can read. I have podcasts I'm going to send you, and I'm gonna, we're going to talk about this for the next hour or whatever it is, but can I tell you something? God can intervene, And so... I'm gonna pray with you and let's see, let's just see what God can do. And we bow our heads in that moment, we're accessing the authority that Jesus made available. You guys with me? Yeah. Two of you. Are you all with me? Yeah. All right, all right. So listen, there's power in your words. There's power in your words. Parents, what kind of culture. Are your children living in, husbands and wives? What kind of culture is in your home? If there's a lot of worry and stress and fear, and I don't know, and what if this and what if that, and that's not going to work, and worry and fear, that's not the culture God has for you. That's the opposite of trusting in a heavenly father. You guys okay? And your kids are living in the culture you're creating. Whether you're hiking through the Himalayas, right, and your feet hurt. You know that feeling, I tell you, right? You say, hey, God is our provider. God can give us new shoes, whatever it is. God, what if we pray for new shoes? And you guys are going to hear some wild stories in a minute. They're so cool. All right, I'm going to jump ahead. Here we go. Write write down your notes, Matthew 28. Okay? Write down Matthew 28. Because I want you to look at that verse later where he says, All authority... In heaven has been given to me. Now go make disciples of all nations. 1 Corinthians says it like this God put all things under the feet of Jesus. The Bible says that you and I are hidden in Christ. Everybody say this with me hidden. It's no longer you who lives, it's Christ who lives. You're hidden. Everybody do this, all the kids in here and the big kids. Take one hand and hide it under the other. Now look at your hands. Yeah. God gave me this simple metaphor years ago. I was talking with someone dealing with shame and regret. And I said, here's the thing. You are hidden in Christ. And I told him about Mephibosheth, who was adopted, Samuel's grand, Sam, uh, Saul's grandson. And David brought him to the table. And at the table of the Lord, no one could see that his legs, that he was crippled. At the table of the Lord, you are hidden in Christ. There is no shame. There is no condemnation for those who are in, say this with me, in Christ Jesus. All right, I want to invite up my friend, Pastor Josh. Put your hands together. And we are going to. Well, it's like sometimes we have like a missionary window. I said, hey, can I do an interview style with you as we were talking about a month ago? I said, I want to do more of those. Pastor Dave has done it, and I stole his idea. That's just what I do, you know. And I was like, That's, that guy, that was smart. Let me try that. So put your hands together one more time for Pastor Josh Jacks. <laughs> so this is your awesome, beautiful family. Tell us their names.
1: So if I could have. My Wife Tanya and my oldest son, he's in the front row. And then Asa, if you could stand up, that's our middle son, he's 10. And then Judah is in the back. Back,
0: very cool, Judah. Love those names, man. They all end in uh, uh. What happens (laughs) when you name all your kids with the same letter, like E? You should hear us yell things. Does any of your parents yell (laughs) they're all the wrong names? (laughs) Yeah, you go through all the names, Ellie, Eva, Eva, even the
1: same first letter.
0: So how did you get started in missions? We'll talk about where you are now. We'll talk about where you were. But how did you first get called? Because you, you, I want the kids to hear this. In fact, again, if you are under 12 years old, raise your hand nice and high. If you're under 12, raise your hand. All right? I really want you guys to hear this because you can be called to ministry at a really young age. Yeah. I was actually 14 years old when I knew I wanted to go serve God with my life. So tell us about how did you feel called to missions in the first place?
1: Yeah, so I didn't ever think I was going to be a missionary. Um, my wife and I, we were serving in ministry. We loved missions. We supported missionaries. We did all of that stuff. But I thought you had to be like a missionary in order to be a missionary, <laughs> right? I thought you, you had have to have have, be born a missionary. Yeah, you had to have this like special gift set or special skill set or special calling. And so we didn't ever think that was for us until it was. And so we were on a short-term trip um, up into the mo- uh, mountains of northern Laos. Mm. And if you don't know about Laos, it's a very uh, remote country. There's a lot of mountains, village tribes. We've got some pictures. You can kind of see where we are at. And I, we were on this, this short-term missions trip with some friends of ours. And as we're driving through these mountains, my friend looks at me and he says, Josh, there's a village over there that's never heard the gospel, probably never will. Josh, over here, there's a village over here that's never heard the gospel, probably never will. Just village after village after village. And I loved what you said. Jesus died so that we could have access to the Father. So Jesus had already died, but these people had never heard. So even though access is freely given, they're not able to receive it because they haven't heard the good news. And so this... Uh, was something that was kind of troubling me. And after a few days of of looking over these mountains, I'm praying and I'm asking the Lord, I'm saying, God, how is this possible, right? That for thousands of years, these villages, these people have lived and died, lived and died, lived and died, hard lives, afraid of spirits, working themselves to the bone in some of the poorest and most remote places on earth. And then you have me over here who got to grow up in what I feel like is one of the most blessed nations in the history you're of world. You are also Earth.
0: in like a healthy church too, you told me, right? Like yes. Youth I'm, group is awesome, I mean, everything. I mean, yeah.
1: we, yeah. the Lord had given us so much. I mean, I had an opportunity to hear the gospel, went to ministry school. Um, you know, I said, God, I've prayed the prayers. I've heard the sermons. I've sung the songs. I've read the books. I've listened to the podcast. You know, I've been in these powerful times of worship. Great. You know, people mentoring me, discipling me, said, God, what is my role in all of this?
0: Pause right there. Yeah. I want you guys to hear that question. What is my role in all of this? You guys hear that? How many of you guys have been in this church more than five years? Raise your hand, right? Let me ask this. How many of y'all have been in the kingdom of God more than five years? So that's a question that all of us, don't you think, yeah. Pastor Josh, need to ask ourselves, yeah. what is my role in all of this? In addition to showing up yes. to worship, that's yeah. great, but, yeah. but, yeah. what's my role in actually doing the Matthew 28 that we just read?
1: You, I mean, you yeah. said it. You said uh, the purpose of the light is to go into the dark yes. places. Every time you see when Jesus says, "I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take care of you. Don't be afraid. Don't worry," it's always right after he says go do this, yeah. go do that, do this thing, go do yeah. that thing. And so if you've got a dollar in your pocket, you get a meal today, and the, ch- the fact that you're here in church, you've got to hear the name of Jesus at least once. I mean, you're among the most blessed people to ever walk the face of the earth, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right? Yeah. And so all of these thoughts are going through my mind, and I said, God, what is my role? And as soon as those words left my, my mind, the Lord reminded me of the words of Jesus. He said, Josh, to whom much is given, and in that moment, I knew that what was required for us was to go and to start serving yeah. these people. And I, and I would encourage you to ask yourself that question, too. I mean, you could have been born at any time, yes. in any place, and
0: God put you here. And when you say, like, God has assignments in all of our yeah. lives? That's why we said, okay, so if God was calling you to Laos, mm-hmm. right, wouldn't you agree that what we talked about in the sermon, there's going to be places that our people right here, everybody who's listening— they have a workplace, yeah. they have a career. You have people to share the gospel with. But sadly, so many American Christians come to church,
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: love the Lord. They really do love the Lord, but they go home and shut the garage door. Yeah. And yeah. Jesus doesn't come up until next Sunday.
1: Yeah, I'll talk a little bit later about the unreached and, yeah. you know, just people that have, don't have no access to the gospel. Yeah. And people will say, well, what about the unreached people in my community or my workplace? They're not unreached. Because they're in your community, yeah. and they're in your workplace, right? Yeah. If they haven't heard about Jesus, it's not because,
0: yeah. like, it's not because God doesn't love they, them. No, he's no, waiting on us don't to love walk across <laughs> yeah. the street. Yeah. All right, so tell us about Laos. Tell what was it like to be in these villages and going village to village? And yeah.
1: So Laos, if you don't know much about it, it's a closed, you know, it's restricted, persecuted country. So we were there as English teachers, and that's kind of how we uh, built relationships, made disciples. And a prime example of how we did ministry there comes from our friend Sincom. Everybody say Sincom. Sincom. This guy, his name means Gold Lion. You know, Josh is a cool name. Jordan's a cool name.
0: Not as cool as that.
1: Gold, Gold Lion, yeah. So Sincom is one of our students. And long story short, I mean, we knew that God had connected Sincom with us. And so he started coming over to the house, and we started praying, and we said, okay, God, we're going to do whatever it takes to love this guy into the kingdom. So whether that was scholarshipping him into, you know, English classes to having him over to the house, holidays. I mean, you name it, he was over. He was Uncle Singcom to our boys. And about six, seven months into this, <coughs> Singcom, we had a Christmas break from school. And Singcom said, Hey, during this break, my parents wanted to know if you would come back to my village. My, fa- my village wants to meet you. And I said, You know, we're really busy. There's a lot of stuff I wanted to do. On-. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I said, Yeah, of course, Singcom, you know, we would love. To go to your village. And so we hopped in our, you know, our truck and drove three days over the mountains, through the jungles. Did you, you say know, you
0: drove three days? Yes.
1: I mean, we stopped at night to stay in a Still, I'm just, it's hotel, just amazing. <laughs> hotel. Yeah, hotel. Um, but um, yeah, it took us three days to get there. And We get to Syncom's village and the main event happened when all of the village leaders decided that they wanted to uh, kind of throw this party for Syncom's teacher. and so. The night of this party, some stuff went on, and at the end, they said, well, hey, listen, we want to pray for you. And so I said, okay, well, as long as I get to, you know, pray for you, right? And so they come down, and they pray to their spirits that I would have, you know, a long life and lots of money and lots of kids. And, you know, the more kids I've had, the more I realize to have lots of money and lots of kids. Yeah, it do- it <laughs> does take a prayer of faith. You yeah, got to have those two at the same time. Uh, but they prayed to their spirits that I would have all of these things. And at the same time, I got to put my hands on theirs, and I got to pray to the real God, the God who hears my voice when I speak. And I said, God, would your light shine in this dark village? God, would you open this guy's eyes? God, would you open her heart? And it was one of the most incredible moments of our early time in Laos. Well, we're driving back to our town, and Sincom says, Josh, it's so cool, you know, there's never been a foreigner, there's never been an outsider come to my village before. And I said, wow, you know, Syncom, that's cool. Being the first anything, you know, is cool. Um, but as I started to think about it, I began to realize that in 2,000 years, this was the very first time that Jesus had ever been invited mm. to walk into Syncom's village. And it wasn't through great preaching or brilliant strategies or powerful times of worship. It because day in and day out, we love this guy on purpose.
0: I want to pause for a minute because you said it wasn't because great preaching and this and that. And I'm so glad how the Holy Spirit works because the the page of the sermon I cut out, guess what? Was Paul saying, I did not come to you with eloquent preaching. You have to understand this is a guy who knew the Torah. He could have gone up and just absolutely recited all of this thing to impress all the Jewish people. But he didn't. And and he said, hey, in fact, when they questioned his authority, remember this? They questioned his authority. He said, look, I know more of the Jewish law (laughs) than you do but that's not the point. You're missing the point. I come to you in the simplicity of the gospel Jesus' death and resurrection. Yeah. And isn't it powerful, church, that he didn't have to go in there and say, yeah, you know what? I've been working on this doctorate dissertation <laughs> for the yeah. last 12 months, and boy, are you in luck. Yeah, boy, I've got a copy asleep. with me. No, yeah. he just walked in with the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. The gospel. We complicate these things, yeah. don't we? Yes. It's simple. So tell us more about that.
1: So, uh um so that and that's kind of how we were able to do yeah. do ministry and then after we left laos you know we've been in thailand we were there from 2010 to 2017 now we're in thailand we're working with a lot of pastors outreaches children's homes um projects and ministries throughout the buddhist world but our as a family i mean this is how we reach people yeah. it's through these kind of relationships and it's people like gone and gigs i'll share Quick story about her. People like Souk and Sincom. All of these people, they're hearing the gospel for the very first time, and it's not in a church service. It's yeah. because day in and day out, we're getting, we're spending time. where, like you, kind of, kind of alluded to just about being inconvenienced. Yes. You know, these things that we don't necessarily want to do. Like this is where that old adage of they don't care what you know until they know that you care. Yes. You know, what I mean, they, your, your friends don't care about your church, guys. Right. They care about you. Maybe someday they'll the goal is to get them to care about your church and to come. But at the beginning, like they care about how you treat them and how you your friendship,
0: them. Yeah, your whether friendship. you really love them. Um, and a lot. You know, I, I come back to this a lot is having a meal with them. I, I personally believe something spiritual happens when we have a meal. Yeah. Uh, I think that's why Jesus was always like, hey, you got dinner or, he, you know, they come to visit him. And he's like, I've made you some fish. I mean, all the time he's having a meal because a meal says friendship. Yeah. A meal says I care about you. Um, tell me about a time when we were when we were talking connecting yeah. last month, you had some wild stories about how God gave you wisdom, yeah. sometimes what we would call in Pentecost a word of knowledge, right? That's what First Corinthians calls it this prophetic gift of just what do I do? What do I say? Tell us a couple stories when you simply you you accessed that power of prayer to say, God, give me wisdom because I don't know what to do right now.
1: Yeah, that's good. Uh, you know we always pray. God put us in the right place at the right time and give us wisdom. Like, that's, that's like a key to, And you know, I may not be the best missionary there ever was, but I feel like God has given us favor. When we go places, just stuff kind of happens. The, that night at Syncom's village, one thing you have to understand, the, these villages in northern Laos during the Vietnam War, uh, a lot of these places were, were bombed um, in Laos. And so even though a lot of these villages didn't have much to do with it, like they were still kind of part of the war because they were getting these bombs. So when we were there, you know, you're walking into these villages with these guys that were there. And when they see foreigners, they see these are the people that we're minding our own business and they drop the bombs on our heads and all this kind of stuff. You don't have the best welcome. They in equate
0: life. you with the Americans yes. who attack so even Christi- their grandparents. Yes, yeah.
1: even Christian like Christianity. If people, places have heard about that, and that in countries like that, it's like, oh, well, this is the American yeah. religion, and this happened to us, and, and those types of things. So I walk into this village, thinking it's oh, it's great. We're going to meet Sincom's family, and all of these guys, all of these this older generation. Nobody would smile at me. And at that night, I mean, you had the village chief, police chief, witch doctor. I mean, if you're a VIP there, you name it. And so the whole time, I mean, this is like a, a couple hours before the first story. I'm sitting in this room, and I'm just thinking, oh, God, what am I going to say? Lord, help me, you know. Uh, I don't know what to say to these, these guys, you know, and how do I smile and, and kind of lighten the mood. And so Singcom gets up, and he says, the, uh, it was either the chief or the police chief. I don't remember which one it was, but said, they want you to address and so I said, oh man. I said, okay, God, if I ever needed some wisdom, it's right now. And so. You told
0: me some of them were giving you the stink eye. Oh, too. yeah,
1: they're yeah. giving me the stink eye. They're like, what is this guy doing here? You know, I felt so uncomfortable. And so, uh, Sinkham says, you know, my brother's going to translate, because this wasn't even in the Lao language, it was in the Kamu language. And so his brother translates, and I said, okay, God, just tell me what to say. So I stand up. And I said, Syncom is one of my favorite students. He's one of the best students I've ever had. He's always the number one or two guy on every test, you know, every exam. I said, he loves my kids. He's a good friend. He takes care of us. I said, he, uh, he honors people. I said, he always he puts people first. He's a, he's a servant. You know, I just blessed Syncom. I said, this is all true stuff. I wasn't making this stuff up. I mean, Syncom is an amazing young man. And I said, and I know he is who he is because of this village and because of who you are and how you've raised him. And man, it was like instantly, it, something broke in the room and everybody lightened up, smiled. We've been back to that village many, many times. And that every opened time the door for the gospel. That opened just, the door. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, the village chief, he's asking, hey, how's Josh doing? You know, and these are places where the, the gospel is not welcome. Yeah. And so and it was all because I took this a second, say, "God, speak through me," and He did. It, it wasn't something, you know, like you said, He's not going to give us a snake. I asked, and He helped.
0: Would you say to all the kids in the room that they can hear God's voice?
1: You can hear God's voice. Did you hear that, sure. kids?
0: All the parents, look at your kids if you're if they're with them, and maybe if you're just the crazy uncle sitting next to them, just look at them and say, "You can hear God's voice." You
1: can hear God's voice.
0: Okay, uh, tell us about a time you told me a story about a bus ticket.
1: Uh, yeah, so. Uh, Again, with, with these relationships, right, so when you said, uh, even when you were sharing this story about how, so, rather than just saying, oh, that sounds hard, right. right, say that. But also, hey, well, let me pray for you. Our friend's gone in gigs. These are two young Thai students that um, there's a picture of them at Christmas time with the family. Um, they've been, we've been sharing the gospel, discipling them for the last couple years. They haven't decided to follow Christ, but we always try to take a moment to say, hey, well, let's pray about that. Right he needed a job we prayed he got it I mean just within a few days she needed to get this difficult to get into internship program I said, let's pray two days later she got it he was trying to get a certain card in the military draft that they have we prayed a few days later he got it right before we're getting ready to come back uh, to the states um, gigs she's we're eating lunch you know having a meal sharing a meal after church and She's in tears. She realizes that she's lost her student ID card, and she had a ton of money on this ID card. Um, she had to turn it back in to get her, uh, like her diploma and all of this stuff, because she had gone to school in
0: Bangkok. So it was tied to her education. It was tied that.
1: to her education. She had money on it. It was like her uh, had her grades, all of this stuff on this this card. And so she's freaking out. She's just in tears. She doesn't know what to do. We're sitting at this restaurant. I said.
0: God knows where it's at, right? You know. I Let me don't pause know. you. <laughs> yes. Okay, childlike faith. Remember, we just said that about ten minutes ago. Childlike faith, childlike. It take. It's so simple to go. It's it's hard because we, <laughs> we want to say, um, hey, I have an issue, um, Pastor Mark, right? Now that's awesome. I'm all for going to your pastor, Pastor Dave. Hey, that's awesome. But do you know you have instant access to Father God? He's your father. So what did y'all do with that childlike thing?
1: Yeah, and I gotta give credit to my wife. Whenever I lose my keys, lose anything, she's like, baby, did you pray? Yeah. I was like, no, I was just freaking out looking for <laughs> just looking for him. So I said, you know, God knows where it's at. So we just prayed right there. This now, this is a city of depending on who you ask and what time of the week it is, anywhere from like 10 to 12 to up to 15 million people. Okay. And two days after we prayed in this little chicken place, she gets a message that says, uh, on Facebook, that says, hey, I found this ID card wedged in a bus seat on the other side of town, and I found you on Facebook. Is this you? Is this your card? And so she found it. She got it back. They arranged a way to get it together. I mean, we, God found it in two days in a city of 12 to 15 million people. So, like, these are the kinds of things, like, when people are constantly seeing God move in their life, it makes him more real because it's like, oh, he cares about my And wouldn't stuff. you say
0: that's like one of the easiest ways for us to contextualize this sermon today is the power of prayer, declaring it, going to the Father. Not even not even again, it's different than just saying, I'll I'll pray for you. So one, uh, think about it. Yeah. You know what? Then I'm gonna pray for that person. Yeah. All right. Number two, even better is saying I'll pray for you. But even better is let's pray. Let's pray. Yeah. You see the difference? is right there, let's Pray, and out loud, let them hear you go to your Father and express your trust in Him. Amen?
1: And we're nobodies. Guys, like I said before, I thought you had to be a missionary to be a... We're just... I'm just a nerd from Northwest Ohio. You know, we are normal people. It doesn't take a special kind of person to to pray for this kind of stuff.
0: Let's go to the video, because you've got a pretty awesome video. He has a background in media, and so there's an awesome video I want you guys to see. Put your eyes on the screens. Hey, we're the Jacks family, and we are your
1: missionaries too. Asia Pacific and a Buddhist world.
0: awesome to see what God's been doing there, right? So um, tell us about some of those ministry opportunities and churches you're getting to work with and uh, how it's affecting maybe the culture there. And I saw like some guys spinning things, maybe some mysticism. There's some of that starting to change now that the gospel is being preached.
1: Yeah, um, so God is doing some really cool stuff in Thailand and Laos and Vietnam, Bhutan, you know, the Buddhist world. And w- in these areas, you're seeing people coming from, darkness to light you yeah. know people think oh why are you going over there to uh, change their uh, change their mind and change yeah. their culture it's like we're not going over there to take off a Buddhist yeah. sticker and put on a Christian one when you see those prayer wheels and all these are things that people are bound in yeah. fear mm-hmm. bound in these this works mentality that they've got to do so much to be able to come back the next life there is no hope in Buddhism there's no one coming to save you so when we go and we share and these churches are being planted and people are you know hearing the gospel when they receive it they're receiving this hope and it and it changes their lives it's not just oh we're we're going from this religion to right. to this one
0: yeah one of the things tim keller points out one of my favorite authors is so many religions talk about us earning this place mm-hmm. in heaven or an afterlife yeah. or in buddhism maybe living it again and again but only in christianity does does the God figure in it is who we know is God, but in these other religions, it's, it's not like this, where God comes to man yeah. and becomes man yeah. and suffers so that we don't have to. Yeah. And it's an entirely the gospel. It, like you said, it's not changing their mind. It's it's causing them to find true life, to yeah. be born again. Um, tell us a little bit about. We're gonna pray for the Laos people and the Thailand people in a few minutes, mm-hmm. but it sounds like um, one billion people. That's a lot.
1: Yeah, so we, you know, you can see God's doing some incredible things, but we measure ourselves by the task that's still ahead of us, right? In Thailand, there's 70 million people, less than 1% are followers of Jesus. The five countries that we primarily serve, 240 million people, less than 2%. And in the Buddhist world, there's about a billion people. 85% of those people will never in their entire lives meet a Christian. And so you're talking about hundreds of millions of people that will be born, they'll live, and they'll die, and they'll never once hear the life-giving, eternity-changing message of the gospel. Um, I recently had an opportunity to go. Do you want to hear the Bhutan? And this kind of gives you a quick idea. Bhutan, if you've not heard of Bhutan, it's one of the most remote and spiritually dark places we've been. You saw in the video, I won't share too much about that, but you saw in the video the kind of darkness that we see. And I'm inside of one of these temples. Um, I love hanging out in temples. I talk to monks, get to put hands and lay hands on monks and pray. And and just in this temple in Bhutan, I was inside this ancient fortress in a temple. And I'm praying. I'm saying, God, what do you want me to do in here? This woman walks in, and she bows down, and she's praying uh, to this idol. And you can see she is desperate for some hope. And the Lord kind of put this spotlight on her. And so I started to pray for her. And as I did, the Lord started to just break my heart this woman break my heart like the heart of a father for his kids and he started to give me scriptures and remind me of scriptures about how deeply he knows and how deeply he loves each one of us scriptures like every hair in our head is numbered like we were uh, fearfully and wonderfully created in our mother's womb all these kind of scriptures and as I'm about to kind of be completely broken and kind of lose it um, I'm starting to tear up I'm just really broken by this lady the Lord reminds me of the words of Jesus when he says that not even a sparrow falls to the ground without the Father in heaven knowing about it, And a sparrow may fall, you know, in the forest. We may not hear it. We may not see it, but God sees it. And this woman and the people of the Buddhist world, we may not hear those stories. We may not hear about them. The church may not see them. That idol sure doesn't hear their cries for help. But, friends, God notices, and God sees them, Mm -hmm. and he knows them, and he's waiting for us to reach them. I love what my brother said this morning talking about worship. He could send angels, you know. Yeah. He he's, he could send send the angels, but they're here with us in worship. Yeah. He could send angels, could do, go do this, but he has asked us yes. to be the ones that bring access to these yes. people.
0: So tell us about how we can partner with you. We know you've um, been really one of the launch points to change the map. Mm-hmm. Um, briefly tell us about change the map, and then we're going to, talk about how we can partner with Pastor Josh, which, by the way, uh, I'm very intentional about having missionaries here. I called a missionary. You're going to like this as a missionary. This is about three months ago. I called this guy, and uh, Water Saves is his ministry. And I said, hey, I want to get you on the schedule. And he goes, are you serious? I said, yeah. He goes, this is the first time a pastor has called me. This is right. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Are you nodding, right? Uh He said, we are always cold cold calling. He said, "What, what would make you just Call me, and I said, well, I try to have a missionary every six to eight weeks, and here's why. How many of you feel incredibly challenged by his faith and, and obedience today? It gives us a worldview that I can't give in a sermon. And so we want to partner with you, missionaries like you who are going all over the world to these remote mm-hmm. villages, and sometimes a temple, and praying with the person who is losing hope and yeah. doesn't know what to do. Um, tell us about Change the Map, and then tell us how we can partner yeah, with do you. you want... Oh, you got to hear this story real quick. Give us the 30-second version. Yeah, so this is why we need you to
1: pray. We want to partner with God. This yeah. is what's going to break down these spiritual walls. There is a woman, uh, her husband uh, was in a mess. I mean, this guy was addicted to drugs. He'd be, uh, he's a fisherman. When these guys go out in the water, they'll be amped up on drugs so that they can work like 24-7. So he'd come home on the weekend, spend all of his money on drugs and alcohol and gambling family never saw any of it it was tearing the family apart and so the wife she went all throughout northern Thailand going to different temples praying giving money hoping that there would be some kind of breakthrough that her family would be able to be yeah. fixed you know nothing would happen so finally she says I'm going to go to the Emerald Buddha in Bangkok Thailand this is where you go it's the holiest site in all of Thailand, holiest relic. So in this, their
0: minds, it's like the best temple. This is, yes, this, this is this where you go where you if go. you
1: need a miracle. Yeah. If this doesn't fix it, yeah. sorry, nothing yeah. can. So she saves up her money. She goes, prays, gives her money, puts stuff in the thing, does all the stuff, right, and goes back to northern Thailand. Nothing's changed. Nothing's yeah. fixed. She's completely hopeless. Her sister had just become a Christian, and she looks at her, her sister and says, Lek, Lek was the woman, She said, Leck, I'm a Christian now, and I think Jesus can help us. I think Jesus can help us. Why don't we pray? Prayed a very simple prayer, basic, nothing fancy, nothing elaborate. Uh, Just prayed that God would fix it. A few days later, her husband comes home. He says, you'll never guess what happened. It was in the middle of the week. I woke up out of this drunken, you know, stupor, completely clear-minded, completely sober. And he said, what am I doing? This is crazy. I'm ruining my life. I'm ruining my family's lives. I'm tearing, I'm making all these messes. This is crazy. This is stupid. I got to get rid of this stuff. He goes back, mends the relationship with his wife and kids, gets rid of everything. Out of nowhere, repentance. Out of nowhere, completely like, I mean, this guy was drugged the whole time he's out on these boats. Gets rid of everything. The family decides to follow Jesus. They get discipled. Then they become pastors. And now we're reaching people for Jesus. And all
0: that began with what? With us pray.
1: pray. And because that's why somebody said, I think yeah. Jesus can help us.
0: Somebody said, you know what, wait wait a minute. I have, we have access. I, I, just, I just gave my life to God. I just gave my life to Jesus. And in that moment, she didn't think, I'll pray for you. Yeah. And she didn't say, I'll hey, be, you'll, I'll, be I'll, 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 you'll be in my thoughts and prayers. She, yeah. didn't say, she said, let's pray. And that's, if you could walk away with anything today, it's that. It's let's pray. It invite God into the situation. So a couple things I want you guys to see on the screen. We're gonna pray in a minute, but also there's an opportunity, guys, for you to give. And we always say you can meet them in the foyer as well. That way you can sign up. So don't go too fast out the north door. Go this way so you can meet them, shake their hand, pray for them. And if you, a lot of times you can even set up like automated giving, yeah. uh, right? So. Yeah. This is a great way. I know I shared this literally last week when we talked about greed and envy. We said every one of us should have a missionary. Every single I just personally, it was something my dad used to say that I just echo. Every single Christian, I believe, yeah. in, in America should have a missionary that they're supporting. We're
1: missionaries and we have missionaries. Yeah, so. yeah You support missionaries. <laughs> yes, yes. And by the
0: way, I've noticed that. Other pastors, yeah. other missionaries have said that. Um, The other thing is about teams. And so real quick, I want you guys to understand you can actually go. Tell us real quick about the team. Yeah, so
1: we do have teams. So, you know, if there's a group from from here that wants to to go, let's get it together. We'd love to have you come and pray, come and work and serve and get to see what God is doing. Yeah, that'd be so cool.
0: Anything else you want to share before we pray? Yeah, so
1: with Change the Map, um, I'd encourage you, you can scan the QR code to get in our family's group. But also, as Pastor Jordan said, please find us. We've made it. Our goal is to see 50,000 people praying for the Buddhist world. This is what we're asking is for you to become one of the 50,000. We can share crazy dark, crazy light stories about the Buddhist world, about things that have gone on with our family. Like, we need people to pray with our family, and we want people to join in praying for the Buddhist world. And you can do all of that. You can sign up. Um, We've got an app we've got a podcast we've got weekly prayer moments that come out they're just 2 to 3 moment 2 to 3 minutes a week it comes right to your podcast so on your way to work hey you pray pray with us for the buddhist world for 2 minutes we've made it very easy for you to learn about the buddhist world and to start praying today also social media instagram facebook we've got 2 to 3 posts every week that just highlight these